Let's get on into the sermon. If you want to take notes today, you can follow along in the digital notes. The information is there on the screen, or you can just write them down and save them. But today we're going to be preaching part three of our relational series. Have, have y'all enjoyed this series so far? Have you learned something? Has God challenged you? I, I want to thank my wife for preaching with me last Sunday. I know some people don't really like female preachers or, or lady preachers, but I actually do because I married one. And if I didn't like her, there would already be trouble in the young house. But she joined me and we talked about marriages and other relationships too. It wasn't just about marriage, but we talked about how God does amazing things. If you missed that, you can catch up on the podcast at nolachurch.com. Click on sermons and then all of our podcasts are there. Today is part three, and I, I, if you need a title, I just want to title it this, Intentional Diversity. Let's say that together. Everybody say Intentional Diversity. Our primary strength in life as a believer comes from our salvation. This is what Psalm 28, 7 teaches us, that the joy of the Lord is our strength, right? Somebody know what I'm talking about. When you have salvation, you have access to joy. Now, I, this is not really where the sermon goes, but anytime you talk about joy, people immediately think happiness. You don't need to think happiness because joy and happiness are not the same thing. Happiness is a choice, Joy is a state of reality. You can be going through hell in your life but still have joy because you know who your Redeemer is. You can go to the book of Job and he says, I know my Redeemer lives and I know that I will see him face to face. He had joy in his heart because he knew that God was not going to let go of him. David said, if I make my bed in heaven, if I make my bed in hell, I still know that you will never leave me. Jesus comes on the scene and says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you because I'm the friend that sticks closer than a brother. You may be unhappy, but you find joy in your salvation. Our primary strength comes from salvation. Why do we make a point to make sure everybody gets saved on Sunday? Because you need the joy of the Lord operating in your life. And if the drama of life is pulling you down, it's because you're not living in your salvation. You're living in your own strength. I don't have the strength to get up this morning. You need to go back to your salvation. Does it mean you're a bad person because you're, you're dealing with depression or anxiety? Absolutely not. It means you're alive and you're breathing. But when you find these things happening, don't lean into them. Go to the Word of God and remind yourself who you are because of who Jesus Christ is. Amen. Our primary strength comes from our salvation. But our effective strength doesn't come from our salvation. Allow me to pastor here for a few minutes. Our effective strength comes through intentional, abstract connections with other believers. You and I are not going to be strong simply because we are saved. Because some of the most weak people are saved people who refuse to connect with other believers because they think they're okay by themselves. This is when their carnality begins to ravage them. This is when their situation overwhelms them. Y'all with me this morning? My Nola Church, y'all want to preach with me? You're going you're gonna to have strength in yourself when you're saved, but you're not going to be effective until you get into intentionally abstract connections 
with other believers. You need my weirdness in your life. And I need your boring in my life. Like, I have four kids. I have four amazing daughters. And what I tell them is I have three great daughters and that other one. And they're like, which one's the other one? It depends on the day. But all four of them have different personalities. Yes, there are things that are similar, but they all four are different. That's what makes our family fun. Because when Jade is in her late teen, I'm about to graduate drama section of her life, and she can't talk with her teeth open. Stop it. Like right now, that's what she's doing. She's like, stop it, daddy. And Eden's like, shut up and get over it. And Cotty is like, I'm better than all of y'all. And Adia is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Because that's Adia. Adia is just like me. We're weird. We have fun when we go out. We don't run like this. We run like this. Because we have more fun in life. But if everybody in my family were like Adia and I, we would get nothing done. We need Eden's OCD to settle in and get us back on, on the straight and narrow. And we need Jade's chillness and just like calm reserve. Step into my room. I'll stab you right in the lip, you know. <laughs> and we need, we need Kylie's craftiness. You weren't looking and I stole all your Reese's peanut butter cups. What? And I'm this big around so you can't even tell that I ate them all down, you know. We need the difference. You need the difference of other believers in your life for you to be effective. You're not going to be effective by yourself. And people say, well, me and Jesus, we got our own thing going. No, you don't, because when you get close to Jesus, he's going to connect you with another believer. He didn't save you for you to do life by yourself. You need to be relational. You need to be in relationship. Well, I'm saved. That ought to be enough. I've got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That ought to be enough. I have been baptized into the family of God. That, you're right. It ought to be enough, but it's not. Why is it not? Because God didn't make it that way. God didn't make it the way that we think he made it. We, he, he didn't make it for us to just go through life. He didn't make it for us to just settle there. He wants us to do life with other believers. He wants me to interact with you because there's things in your life that I need in my life, and there's things in my life that you definitely need in yours. Because some of y'all are way too uptight right now. And you're just like, oh, God, he's coming for me. Yes, I am. Brace yourself, baby, because it's about to get funky. Nate, mute all the other channels but Preacher, and that'll help that noise. We'll edit that out of the podcast, and no one will hear that. So let's dive into this. Y'all, we complement each other. My differences, your differences, complement other people. We complement each other. And here, here's the deal. We compensate for each other's weaknesses. No matter who you are, no matter what you're going through in life, you have weaknesses in your life. Amen? I have weaknesses in my life. And when I'm rubbing shoulders with Mark and we're doing life together, the strengths that are in Mark rub off on me and they compensate for my weaknesses. 
And then I, after I get strengthened by doing life with Mark, I come over here and I'm doing something with Topher. And, and I'm, y'all know him as Chris, but my family knows him as the Toph. I'm hanging out with Chris, and, and Chris has got some weaknesses, but I've just been strengthened because of my relationship here. And because my relationship has gotten stronger, I can rub off on him and compensate his weaknesses. And whenever he goes back home and Sam's having one of those days that I know Sam has because she's married to Topher, and, you know, it's just one of those things. Chris begins to minister to his wife. Next thing you know, Sam is ministering to one of the other ladies. You see how that works. But it doesn't happen if we're not relational. Well, I'm just not a people person. Then you're not alive. Well, I'm saved, but I'm not a people person. Then you're not saved. Because when you come in contact with a living, breathing God who gave himself up for people, he gives you a salvation that is all about you connecting with people. If you're saved, you're a people people. If you're not saved, you're a people people. He created you to be a people person. But you got to understand this. While we complement each other and we compensate for each other's weaknesses, this only is realized through our diversity. It's not going to be realized through commonality. It's only going to be realized through diversity. Everybody say diversity. Because here's the deal. If we're the same, I can't compliment you. If we're the exact same, I, I can't do anything to lift you up. This is why, by the way, God doesn't want all believers at the same place on their journey. Churches have failed people for centuries trying to make everybody be at the exact same spot on their journey. That's not God's plan. I'm going to be a little bit behind you or maybe a little bit ahead of you. Somebody's going to be over here just walking around looking at the flowers. Those are the people from California. And then everybody else is going to be. But here's the deal. We are all important and we're all on the journey. If we were the same, we couldn't complement each other. And if we're all walking at the same pace, discipleship never happens. Because no one's behind anybody else. You gotta have the differences, you gotta have the diversities. And if we're all at the same place and we're never discipling, then we already know everything that we're supposed to know at the moment. And let's be real. Do we actually know everything that there is to know? Or is there still more to learn? Am I challenging you this morning? Good. Because God's been challenging me for three weeks about today. And we're about to dive off in it, so brace yourself. Grab your neighbor's hand and say, here we go. Diversity is a buzzword today in our modern culture. But I want you to know that diversity is more than a racial or a gender reality. It's a God reality. Let me say that again. Diversity is more than a racial or a gender reality. It's a God reality. And, and while we're on the subject, because I know exactly where 99% of our minds just went because of society and where we are right now, let me just challenge you. Don't reduce diversity to a political issue because if you do, it marginalizes the individuals. God created people different on purpose. While I'm on that, you need to see the color. Let me say it again. White people, you need to see the color 
in people who are a different color than you. Brown people, you need to see all the variances of color that are in white people. In the summer, Jake and I are pasty white, perhaps even pink. Let me go out in the sun. I'm, I'm going to be lobster red. Now, really, who's colored? You, you get it? So don't look past the color. Don't, don't say, well, I'm colorblind. If you're colorblind, you're not effective. You need to see the difference. God put the difference there on purpose because God said it was beautiful. God said, I want the difference to be noticed. See the difference. See the color. Because when you see the diversity, you're honoring God's creativity. You need to see the diversity. Don't ignore it. Don't, that's why, y'all, we don't need to reduce this to a political issue. Because if we do, we're going to try to be politically correct. And that's just stupid. Give it about three months and the political correctness buzzwords are going to completely change. We can't keep up, so here's the deal. You're colored, I'm colored, we're all different colors, but we're all God's children. While I'm on that, some of us are men, some of us are not. Men, it's okay to lean into the leadership of a lady if she's on fire for God. In the same way, ladies, it's okay to lean into the leadership of a man if he's on fire for God. Amen? Diversity is also there in our genders. If we're the same, nothing is produced. When things come together that are the exact same, that have the exact same parts, nothing is produced. Like, well, that sounds like hate speech. It's not hate speech. It's God reality. There's no hate involved in that. It's simply truth. If nothing can be produced, we're not living out the truth that God designed for us. Well, does God hate it? No, God doesn't hate it. God loves everyone. It's high time the church starts loving everybody regardless. Amen? Y'all with me? We're going to be one of those churches that that don't get involved in loving people? Because if so, we're going to shut down the doors. Because I could turn this into a wedding hall and make a crap load of money. Either that or we're going to love people right where they are, even if they don't change. We're going to fling open the doors and say, everyone is welcome in the house of God. Everyone is welcome because everyone needs to know who Jesus is. We're not going to be a white church. We're not going to be a black church. We're going to be intentionally diverse. We're not going to be a church of just men and church of just women. Guys, by the way, they're outnumbering us almost two to one. There should be no single guys in the church because you are literally outnumbered. Ladies, I'm praying for you. Guys, you need to start inviting some fellas. Got a lot of ladies. But let, let, those are the easy ones. Racial, gender, those are, those are easy. But what if we start diving off into diversity of beliefs? Ooh. We just got uncomfortable. Like... People literally identify themselves as genders that don't even exist. Like, biology is biology, regardless of how we feel about it. But that's how they identify. Inside their head, they think this about themselves. We think of that, we're like, whoa, that's, that's strange. 
The same thing happens with belief systems. People have been preconditioned to think certain things about God. And they walk into a church filled with the diversity of people centered around the unity of the word of God. But they have these preconceived notions that they carry in and we can either slap them or we can love them. Y'all with me? It's okay if I pastor a little bit today? God designed humanity to be different so that we can work together. Because if we're the same, we're going to fight in about three minutes. Y'all with me? We need the difference. And you can even see this because it's evidenced through his mission. It's, It's his mission. And you can see this. And let me break it down for you real quick. In fact, they'll put it on the screen. You, can, you see his mission in, in, in Luke chapter 19 and 10 where he says, I have come to seek and save the lost. Which lost? All the lost. Well, what about the lost that don't necessarily agree? Yeah, I'm going to save them too. What about the lost that think God is a, is a gun and he, I should kill people that don't believe it? Yeah, he, he wants to save them too. What about the people that believe in a multiplicity of deities and they, 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 they believe in so many gods? Yeah, he wants to save them too. What about the people that think the Old Testament doesn't apply so they only read the New? Yeah, he wants to save them too. What about the people that only want to read the Old Testament? They don't even want to get into grace because they like slapping people around and sacrificing. Yep, he wants to save them too. He came to seek and save all the lost. Everybody say all. And then you also see where he said, I want you to go make disciples in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. And he says, I want you to go save everyone everywhere. I don't want you to just stay where you are. I want you to go. The, the, the church messes up because we want to stay. The church wants to gather. And he's like, don't gather, go. We're like, come and see. He's like, no, go and minister. The mission of God and, and all these things. But we get confused because we think God has to talk the way that we talk. But we can even see, he says, look, I want you to go, but I don't want you to just go without some order. I'm going to give you some order in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I want you to start in Jerusalem, and then I want you to go to Judea. Then I want you to go to Samaria. And then once you've done that, then I want you to go to the ends of the earth. Here's the thing you've got to remember. God's diversity is displayed through the lens of his mission. It's not our agenda or our preference or our comfort level. It's his mission. And when you've received his salvation, you've received responsibility to that mission. People, I feel obligated. Yes, because with salvation comes the responsibility and the mandate to be involved. Sometimes you're going to have to do things that you're not comfortable with. Sometimes you're going to have to do things that ruffle your feathers. Sometimes you're going to have to leave your comfort and let go of your past so you can leave Jerusalem to get to the ends of the earth. If your ministry is only in Jerusalem, your ministry is not effective because you've stopped it. Amen? This okay this morning. So let's dive into this. Our calling is diverse for a couple reasons. Number one, his mission is diverse. So therefore, our calling to the mission is diverse. But it's also diverse because our world is diverse. Regardless of what some people have tried to do throughout human history to make us all the same, God keeps putting people out there who are different 
Why is the church alive in a day and age where everybody is different about everything and like new ideas are coming up? By the way, there's nothing new under the sun. This is just simply a a rehashing of an old idea. But I believe that God allows these different thought patterns to begin to be peppered throughout human society so that the church can be reminded you're not there just to be Christian and ceremonial. I've called you to be effective. So I'm going to plant you in a world that's filled with people who are different from you, who don't look like you, who don't think like you, who don't vote like you, who don't dress like you, who don't live a lifestyle the way that you do, that you don't agree with anything they're doing. You don't like who they love. You don't like who they don't love. You don't like anything about them. But I want you to love them anyway. Does that mean I have to say that everything they're doing is right? No. Just love them. Well, how are they going to know? You get filled with the Holy Ghost, and you go do life with them, and the God who is in you will bump them when he's ready. So many times Christians get out ahead of God. We start trying to minister to people because we think it's time, and he's like, I'm not even talking to them. You're wasting your breath. No one comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws him. So why don't we, instead of saying, I'm going everywhere talking, no. Who are you already talking to? So I can be effective. Mm-hmm. That's good preaching right there. Amen, amen. I'll say amen if you, even if you don't. Real quick, let's go to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I, I want to I unpack this for you. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 simply says this. This is Jesus. It, it's literally the same passage of Scripture that we read in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Luke just tells a little bit more of the story in his account. And Jesus says, look, I, I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to wait there. And then you wait there until I do what I'm going to do. Let me real quick. This is not even in the notes, so this is a freebie. We don't like to wait on God. But sometimes it ain't time for us to do what we want to do. In those moments where God is not directing you to something in specific, just simply wait. And when you wait on the Lord... You shall renew your strength. You'll mount up with wings as an eagle. You'll run and not be weary. You'll walk and not faint. So teach me, Lord, to wait. He's going to teach you patience. Go to Jerusalem and wait. In other words, go home. Go back to your place of comfort. Allow me to kind of unpack this a little bit. Go back to your place of comfort, to the place that you know what's happening, and I want you to wait. I want you to tarry until you are endued or until you are baptized with power. And this is what he says in verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. Everybody say his witnesses. Not the witnesses for your church. Not the witnesses for your favorite brand of theology. Not witnesses for your favorite celebrity preacher. Not witnesses for your religious political system. Not not witnesses for your favorite candidate for whatever cause you've attached yourself to. You'll be witnesses of him telling people about me where? Everywhere. And now I'm going to tell you how to do it in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Okay, this is, this is a scripture at NOLA Church we talk about all the time because this is the mission of God. This is why you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
Well, I never heard that growing up. Well, now it's time for you to hear that. You're grown up. It's time to hear it. They never taught that. That's not my fault. That's not God's fault. Just because you didn't study didn't mean it wasn't in the Word of God. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need to be baptized in Jesus' name. You need to speak in tongues when the power of God comes on you. You don't need to do it while you're eating lunch. That's weird. You don't need to do it every time you pray for somebody. That's also weird. That's also not biblical. But you need to have a relationship with God that goes beyond just simply acknowledging that there is a God. You need to have effectiveness. You need to be baptized in His Spirit. And let me tell you why. Because our calling is very diverse. But the how, everybody say the how. The how of our calling is extremely specific. So here's what I'm going to do real quick. I'm going to break down in the next seven and a half minutes. Y'all don't believe me. I don't blame you. (laughs) But in the next few minutes, I'm going to break down Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, and I'm going to show you through the lens of the five aspects of NOLA Church how we are to do this. Now, some of you know this. Some of you don't know this. But our church literally exists in five intentional ministry, I call them circles, just because I like things that are neat and perfectly shaped. I have issues. I don't sleep good at night because I'm trying to arrange the sheets all night long. I would count the sheep, but there's different colored sheep, and they're, they're different shapes, and then I try to get them in groups, and it's ridiculous. Pray for me. Also, don't give me melatonin because I'll take too much and I see Japanese demon ghosts all night long. It's not good. But these five ministry circles are are simply this. We have a worship circle. We have a prayer circle. We have a community circle. We have a discipleship or, or a development circle. And then we have a legacy circle. These are the five circles of of, of our church. These are the five circles of your church. Everything we do happens in one of these circles. And here's the cool thing. We don't have to talk about it because it's foundational. It's structure. You don't always have to talk about the structure. It's scaffolding. It serves a purpose. It's not the purpose. It's simply there to help the purpose happen. And when the purpose happens, you can take the scaffolding down. Because he's, oh, man, never see. All right, so I'm going to show you how Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, through all five of these circles. Y'all ready? It's going to be on the screen, but you may want to write this down because this is going to be flipping cool. Jerusalem is our experience. Everybody say my experience. These, like, Jerusalem are people like us. Like, what does that mean? Well, the people like me. The people like you. Your Jerusalem is different from my Jerusalem. Like, we may be the same gender or even the same color, but if we grew up in a different neighborhood, we got different people, right? Like, Tove grew up on the West Bank. He's got wank people. His people talk like this. (laughs) My people talk like this because they from Baton Rouge and they forgot it was a big city, you know. Emir's people talk very proper, and everything is wonderful and perfectly. Their English is fantastic. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, good brother Emir. 
Marx people talk about being on today and then like whatever, whatever. So on and so forth. <laughs> like your people are going to talk like your people because they're your people. They're your people. My wife's people talk like, hey, everybody, what's up? That's a Cajun Mexican, in case you were wondering. But our experience, that's our Jerusalem. Your Jerusalem and my Jerusalem are not the same. Because yours is yours. Mine is mine. They're people like us. So how do we reach people in our Jerusalem? So glad you asked. You got to start at home and reach your people. Jerusalem is you reaching people like you. Let me, let me show you how to do this through the five circles. You worship by serving your church family. Through prayer, you pray for Jesus to expand the reach of your church family. And in community, you connect people with your church family personal discipleship and that development circle you develop another believer in your church family and how do you live a legacy you do this by investing in someone's story who's a part of your church family that's how you reach jerusalem y'all with me is this good you learning something let's dive in a little bit deeper let's go to judea judea it is not our experience. It's a little bit outside of our experience, but Judea is our comfort zone. Everybody say my comfort zone. These are people who are connected to people who are like me because you may be different from me, but if you're connected to someone who is like me, I can, I can kind of like put my, my big toe in the water and, and try that out. Like, okay, you're different, but you're friends with them and any friend of them is you with me. These are people that, that are connected to people like us. Well, how do we reach Judea? You have to stretch your comfort. It's slightly uncomfortable to reach across the aisle. Like, it, it's, it's uncomfortable. I remember growing up in Louisiana in the 70s and 80s. It was difficult to have friends who were not the same color as I was. I remember those days. I thank God it's a heck of a lot easier now than it was. Is it perfect? No, but we're getting there. One step at a time, when the church wakes up to who the church is supposed to be, that will get a whole lot easier. Amen, amen. But we've got to stretch our comfort. We have to reach beyond our people. You're never going to go to Judea if you just simply stay in your Jerusalem around your people. You're never going to get out of your comfort zone until you are willing to reach out to someone who is not exactly like you. Let me show you how this works in the five circles. Worship, you invite people into your church family. And through prayer, you pray for the lost in your city and in our nation. And in community, we do life with people in our area who are lost. If all of your friends are saved, you're not doing it right. You need to have some unsaved folks who are in your life because you got to disciple people who don't know Jesus. And if all your people are Christians, all your people are going to be Christians. And then when you stand before God, He's going to say, what would you do with what I gave you? Well, I hung out with some Christians. Oh, so you buried the gift so you wouldn't lose it. I'm not about protection. I'm about profit. Come on. 
Y'all with me? I'm going to go off into a whole other sermon here. How do, how do we do personal discipleship? You've got to learn to lead the lost to relationship with Jesus. You've got to start in your neighborhood. You've got to start in your city. You may have to drive outside of your little neighborhood. You may have to drive outside of your ward to a different ward. You may have to leave Kenner, bruh. Yeah, Uptown is bougie, but you may have to get out of Uptown. Get some deodorant, get out of Uptown, and like hang out with other people. We may have to leave the comfort of this side of the split and head over to the Marini and the Bywater because there's lost people there who need to know that Jesus loves them and doesn't care how tatted up they are, how, how long their dreads are. Y- y'all with me? We may have to do that. In fact, not may. We have to do that. We have to stretch out of our comfort. And then how do we leave a legacy? We serve people even when they don't join our church family. Well, I'll serve them if they'll come to church. Here's the deal. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the food that you're hungry for if you come listen to a sermon. How are they going to listen to your sermon if they're hungry? If they haven't had anything to drink all day long, why are they going to sit there and listen to your Bible study that's got 14 points and a flip chart that you don't even know? We've got to serve people where they are when the opportunity presents itself and don't even care if they come to church, just get them connected to Jesus. Let's go to Samaria. Y'all learning something? Samaria. Samaria is our fear. Everybody say, my fear. These are people who are different from us. Like, they're not even connected to people that we're connected to. These are the people that, like, when we're at the red light, and they're walking across the street, we very gently reach over without anyone looking, and we lock our door. We're, we're fearful. Or we're afraid that they're going to judge us because everybody else that we know judges us. So we're afraid to open ourselves up because we think they're going to do that. Or because someone took advantage of us, we think everyone's going to take advantage of us, so we become protectionist. And God can't do anything in us because we're scared. This good? Samaria is our fear. So how do we we complete or fulfill his mission through our fear? We have to confront our fear. What are you afraid of? Do you have trouble submitting to spiritual authority because a spiritual authority hurt you? You need to confront that. Do you not get involved in relationships with other believers because a church family at one point in your life took advantage of you or your family? Are you convinced that all black people are wanting to steal all the white people's stuff? Are you afraid that people that have same-sex attraction are depraved and just want to do bad things to your kids? Are you living in your fear? Because let's just be real, 99% of that is not even true. But when we live in our fear, we close ourselves off. And the people that are in all these different people groups 
don't realize that God loves them because God's people get scared. We have white churches and black churches and gay churches and straight churches and churches that don't believe in the Old Testament and churches that listen to this kind of music and churches that worship y'all with me. (laughs) We just need to be the church. Well, I don't want to, I, listen to me, Pastor. I appreciate where you're coming from, but I don't want to go to a church. Well, if them people get close to my kids, then maybe your kids will learn how to do some ministry. Instead of being scared, remember that he has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You need to get your mind in the word of God and out of societal constraints. You got to go to the place that you're scared of. You got to go to Samaria because that's where the marginalized people are. And guess who Jesus must need to go through Samaria? The disciples said, Hey, let's go home. He says, All right, we don't have time to walk around our fear. You done gone to preaching. It's time to walk through the middle of your fear strong. But what if they don't agree with me? They probably won't because they're just as scared as you are. Why don't you just love them regardless? I'm way over seven and a half minutes, Jake. Y'all come help me out. They're calling me out. They're throwing things at me. There's invisible tomatoes being thrown right now. So how do, we, how do we do this? Here are the five circles. Intentionally open your church family to people who are different. Our doors are open to everyone, everywhere, regardless. And then pray that Jesus will bring the marginalized to our church family. I want alcoholics at NOLA Church. I want drug addicts at NOLA Church. I want people that are ravaged by pornography and sexual sin. I want them at our church. I want gay people at our church. I want straight people. I want people that think they're a duck coming to our church. And when I see them, I'm going to go, wah, wah. If you don't know what we're saying, learn to speak duck. I want everyone here because the doors of this church are open because the love of our God is for everyone. How do we do community? You've got to invite people into your life who are different. What if they change me? Then you didn't have faith in God to begin with. What if you change them? Or better yet, what if you just love them and let God worry about changing him when the time is right? Don't put it on your calendar. Just say, God, I'm going to love them. You know what? You may never change them. I'm okay with that. Thank you for trusting me with this relationship. Is this good this morning? Am I in your grits? Because I'm all up in my own grits. I got bacon and cheese all over me because I'm just like walking through my grits. What, you don't put bacon and cheese in your grits? You need to get saved. God wants to do something in your life today. How do you live a legacy in Samaria? You got to meet people where they are and serve them even if you don't see the immediate change. You probably won't. 
Amanda, Jose, how long have y'all been serving in what is now restoration ministry? A long time. A long time. Jose was like the only person here that had a burden for it. And he brought Amanda. That was years ago. That was what, like five? Roughly a bunch. Four or five. And I remember when they would have their their recovery restoration ministry meetings and it would be like them. Here's the cool thing. A few years later, there's like eight people that come to church because of that. Dana's here because of that. Don't get weary in well-doing just because you don't see the immediate impact. God's doing his thing under the surface in the dark where he does his best work. And he's not going to do it on our timeline. So that's how we minister in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. Let's take it to the ends of the earth, y'all. The ends of the earth. What, What is that? The ends of the earth are our responsibility. Everybody say, my responsibility. These are people who are far from us. Mentally, intellectually, geographically, they're far from us. They're not even on the same, like it's apples and giraffes. Or as my family calls them, neck horses. It's different. They're far from us. So how do I reach them? you got to be willing to go. You've got to be willing to go. <laughs> I don't know. I, I have a hard time leaving my neighborhood and going to work. You want me to do what? Like, you want me to drive more than five minutes? Peter, is that you? Good to see you this morning. Peter's been working for like nine and a half years. Peter and Angelica, how long does it take you to get to church? About an hour and 10, hour and 15? About an hour. Matt and Alicia, how long does it take y'all to get to church? About an hour, if I'm driving 48 minutes. Pastor Matthew, how long did it take you to get here today from from the Rift Valley in Kenya? Roughly a bunch, right? He had to get on a plane to come to Nola Church today. Right? You're going to have to be willing to step out of the place that makes you comfortable. You may have to spend a little bit of money on gas. You may have to get a passport. You may have to, like, take care of your driver's license so you can drive across state lines. You may have to connect with someone who's not like you, not in the same place, so you can go be effective with people who are far from you because you have got a responsibility to reach people everywhere. Who, when I get there, everybody... Who are you already working on, God? I don't, I don't even speak this language. I don't understand this thought pattern. I, I don't understand. Like, where did they get that theological idea? Y'all with me? Here's how we do it. We worship by creating environments where people in other places can find Jesus through our church family. 
Our reach cannot just be in Elmwood. Our reach has got to be everywhere at the same time. How do we pray? We pray that God will send laborers to the nations. The nations need laborers. God, God, I pray that you would raise up some full-time missionaries from this church body to go reach the nations. How do I do life with people that are far from me? You've got to intentionally connect with unreached people groups around the world. You've got to look for opportunities. Pastor, when are we taking another mission trip? Are we going back to China? Is the coronavirus over? Yes, then we're going. If it's not over, we're not going. Some of y'all have too much corona already. But anyway, that's a whole other story. How do we have personal discipleship? You've got to prepare yourself to share Jesus with them and then go. That means you've got to study. Pastor, I don't know what to say. Then get your face in the book. I don't understand it. Get a different translation. Which one? It don't matter. Just get the book and say, Holy Spirit, reveal and teach everything that I need to know and then give me an opportunity. And how do you live a legacy? Here's how you live a legacy. You have to create pathways for the good news to be shared around the world. Maybe you can't go this week. Maybe you can't go this month. But maybe you can save up a little and pay someone else's way. Maybe you can prepare a care package when, when someone goes to an area where we're going to be needing to serve people. Y'all with me? I can't go today, but I can help you go. I can support someone who's already going. Is this good this morning? Anybody feel challenged by the power of God? Here's what I want us to do. Nobody looking around. I know I went past my seven and a half minutes, but y'all didn't believe me in the first place. God, right here, right now, in this moment, in this place, in this moment, in this place, God, radically do what only you can do. Radically invade our comfort. Radically invade our structure. Radically invade everything that we think we know about you, God. Just radically invade it, Lord. And show us that the mission you've called us to is not just about us. It's not just about here, but it's about taking your gospel everywhere, Lord. Take us beyond. Take us beyond. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.